Hi, everyone, and welcome to the State of State Schools podcast. I'm your host, John Stamper, Christian author, former homeschooler, and former public school teacher. Once a week, I'll give a quick recap of the most important headlines in education and pull back the curtain on what's really happening in our kids' schools. If you're a teacher, parent, or homeschool family, this podcast is for you. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Welcome to episode number 19. We have four stories to get to coming from the week of April 24th. Here are the headlines. Racial segregation is back. Gender ideology supersedes religious freedom. Band and orchestra apparently represent white supremacy. And President Biden says your kids don't belong to you. They belong to everybody. That's right. President Biden said this week that your children don't just belong to you. They belong to everyone. Parents, how do you feel about that? On Monday, President Biden honored the National Teacher of the Year, which was a high school math teacher from Oklahoma. In his speech at the White House, Biden talked about raising teacher salaries, pushing for more gun control, and creating safe spaces for LGBTQ students, hitting all the major talking points and all the important buzzwords. Notice that safe space is almost always used in the same breath as LGBTQ. That's how many schools justify keeping secrets from parents out of safety for the student. Anyway, Biden went on to say that, quote, there's no such thing as someone else's child. Our nation's children are all our children, end quote. At the same ceremony last year, Biden made the claim that once a student steps into the classroom, they belong to the teacher. So I can understand there are two different thoughts on this topic. As a teacher, personally, I understand the mindset of treating your students as your own children because you do care for them. You develop a rapport with your students and your students oftentimes, they really like you and they wanna share things with you. You wanna see them progress. You wanna see them grow and become well-rounded individuals similar to what their parents would want. However, there are boundaries between teachers and students. And this should really be common sense. Like, I can't believe people actually have to address this issue and say it out loud, but teachers, you're not their parents. Children already have parents or legal guardians, and it ain't the teachers. This idea that President Biden is implying here that children belong to everyone, This is socialist. It's a communist ideal where all things are done for the good of the group. The individual is only as important as their function or their contribution to the group. There's not a single scripture in the Bible that says children should be taught by anyone other than their parents or grandparents. So fact check that, please. Unfortunately, many activist teachers, school systems, and representatives use this concept as their foundation or their springboard, so to speak, to push their own ideals, to push their own values and their own agendas onto children. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about gender theory, teaching little kids that they can swap genders as easily as trading snacks at recess. I'm talking about school teachers and counselors brainwashing kids, telling them that they're living in the wrong body pushing this personality disorder and gender confusion on them, all while lying to their parents, deceiving their parents, and undermining the parents. But you know what? 
It's okay because kids belong to everyone. The counselor can push their gender ideology because they're like equal parents, right? Teachers are like co-parents. I'm being sarcastic, but I think there are teachers out there who really do feel this way. They think they have some sort of special understanding or special training about this child that the parents just don't have. And when you read through the training materials that are created by these activist groups like the Gay Straight Alliance Network, promoted by the NEA and the CDC, they label parents as ignorant. And since parents are ignorant, it then becomes the teacher's moral obligation, their right to make decisions on behalf of the student. The Bible says that children are to honor their father and mother. So when schools as a whole are undermining parents, they're actually violating the word of God. I personally experienced this in Chicago public schools where teachers would not notify parents if a child was trans at school. And the teacher training materials said that anyone who does not affirm a trans student is ignorant. That's the word that was used. Parents, if the teachers at your kid's school are saying that your kids are their kids, that's a red flag. That's your first sign that they're overstepping their bounds. And teachers, if you've used that language before, referring to your students as quote unquote, your kids, you might want to reconsider saying that because now the assumption is that you're brainwashing those kids and you're undermining the parents. So the idea that children belong to everyone, it's a slippery slope that has pretty much turned into a runaway train. Story number two, parents and teachers, here's something to keep your eye out for. Watch out for quote unquote affinity groups at your school. What is an affinity group? Well, I've discussed them in previous episodes, but basically they're racially segregated groups. That's it. Sometimes they're called BIPOC groups, black indigenous people of color. They're groups for specific races and they discuss whether you're privileged or marginalized based on your skin color. Sounds like real fun stuff for K through eight students. Well, a K through eight school in Seattle is facing a civil rights complaint for racially segregating its students into affinity groups. The school used to have separate affinity groups for Jewish students, white students, mixed race students, but now they only offer the affinity group to black students. A statement from the school's principal said that white students were grouped together to quote, embrace, excavate, and reckon with their whiteness, including their privilege and power, to avoid harming and or re-traumatizing minorities, end quote. The non-white students at this school were grouped together to learn how to quote, take care of themselves and one another while unpacking racism, internalized oppression, and racialized trauma, end quote. So why is it that only certain races take care of each other? Why can't that involve everybody? Why are white people excluded from this? The principal added that these affinity groups also discussed, quote, the impact of white supremacy culture and the pressure of assimilation in the absence of whiteness, end quote. So this is Marxist teaching, and it's commonplace now. 
white people are privileged and oppressive and brown and black people are marginalized and they're oppressed by white people. So this younger generation is being taught this as fact and not as some racist theory. You might say, come on, you're just exaggerating. You're just fear mongering. I actually got called a fear monger for the first time this week. But that's precisely what I was taught in my teacher training with Chicago Public Schools. It's called intersectionality or intersecting identities. I talk about this in my book. It pulls no punches. It clearly states that white people are emotionally abusive toward quote unquote people of color. That Christians are emotionally abusive toward non-Christians. And that heterosexuals are intimidating, threatening, and economically abusive toward gay and trans people. The concept of intersectionality was created by Kimberly Crenshaw, who also happens to be one of the most well-known authors and advocates of CRT, critical race theory. So just to bring it back home for you teachers and parents, be on the lookout for affinity groups or BIPOC groups at your school, sometimes called you know equity groups. They're racist groups that are going back to the principles of racial segregation. They're teaching children to be prejudiced, to be bitter toward each other, and it heaps guilt and condemnation on innocent children. Story number three, a music and orchestra teacher at Brownsburg High School in Indiana was forced to resign from his teaching position. Why? Because he refused to use preferred pronouns in school. John Klug, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. John Klug had taught for Brownsburg Community Schools for several years. He had a great reputation, clean work record, very professional, got along well with everyone. And he had the school orchestra performing better than ever. In 2019, his school district adopted a policy to use preferred pronouns and preferred names with trans students in school. This was in 2019. Klug requested and received a religious exemption, which allowed him to refer to students by their last names only, like a coach would do. Klug taught for an entire school year using this religious exemption without issues. So this is actually very similar to what I did when I taught for Chicago Public Schools, except I never had a religious exemption. I was careful to only refer to students by their first names, never by their pronouns. CPS trained its teachers to always affirm trans students and to always use the preferred pronouns. But as a Christian, I can't lie to these kids and affirm something that I know is not true. It's a lie. But even if I wasn't a Christian, lying is objectively immoral. So even being required to request a religious ex uh, exemption, it's ridiculous. Anyway, back to the story. Some students, staff, and community members in Brownsburg didn't like that Mr. Klug had this religious exemption. And they started to complain. So next thing you know, the school removed the religious exemption and forced the teacher to make a decision. He had to either deny his faith and bow the knee to the trans religion, or he had to resign from his teaching position and end his teaching career. His immaculate and impressive work record held absolutely zero significance in the matter. The only thing the school district cared about was that everyone adopt the exact same belief on gender identity. Now, let's get this image clear. 
because this is a snapshot of the current state of our education system. This teacher was absolutely crushing it at work. He had his students rocking and rolling, performing better than ever, and everyone knew it. Not only that, but everyone liked him. All positive feedback, not a single negative review ever. Then, gender ideology comes along, and the only qualification that matters, all of a sudden, in an educational facility, priority number one is preferred pronouns. Forget all the academic success. Forget the fact that this teacher is creating opportunities and creating experiences in music that these kids will remember for the rest of their lives. Forget that this teacher is helping young people develop talents that can serve them well for the rest of their lives. According to this public school system, the only criteria that matters is whether or not he will confess with his mouth and believe in his heart that gender is on a spectrum. That's not an exaggeration. This man was forced to resign. He doesn't teach there anymore. He's gone. He was a great teacher, very successful. Now he's gone. A court decision actually ruled against him and sided with the school district. However, recently, Mr. Klug has filed an appeal to the Seventh Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. Now, you might wonder, why does all this matter? Why, why, why is this such a big deal? Why am I even talking about this? Just use the pronouns, right? They're just kids. They're just experimenting. They're not hurting anyone. You might be having those thoughts. Well, first of all, if you think the trans craze isn't hurting anyone, please read the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier. Start there. Second, controlling language, forcing compliance, and removing teachers were all tactics used by Marxist and communist regimes in the 20th century. Lenin, Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot, they all removed teachers who refused to implement their political ideologies in the classroom. That's what the big picture is here. This music teacher is just one example, but if you zoom out and you hold this story up against history, you'll see that this has happened before. And we can see how things turned out back then. And if those words scare you, Marxism and communism, please read chapter eight of my book, Conflicted, Pulling Back the Curtain on Public Education. The content and the tactics that have completely taken over our education system here in America right now, they are very similar, if not the same, content and tactics that contributed to the rise of communism in the 20th century. So parents and teachers, if your school has a policy that requires everyone to use preferred pronouns, you need to demand that policy be removed effective immediately. Otherwise, I strongly suggest you consider leaving that school effective immediately. Story number four, sticking with the music theme, the band and orchestra program is being cut from one school district in Washington state because apparently band and orchestra contribute to white supremacy. The school board director at the Olympia school district decided to cut the fourth grade music program because according to him, music lessons quote, inculcate and allow white supremacy culture to continue to be propagated and cause significant institutional violence, end quote. So now in public schools, band and orchestra promote white supremacy and institutional violence. 
You're playing the tuba, you're violent. You're playing the tuba, you're a white supremacist. Okay. He went on to say, quote, where a school district that lives in is entrenched in is surrounded by white supremacy culture. And that's a real thing. There's nothing about strings or wind instrumental music that is intrinsically white supremacist. However, the ways in which it is and the ways in which all of our institutions, not just schools, local government, state government, churches, neighborhoods, inculcate and allow white supremacy culture to continue to be propagated and cause significant institutional violence are things that we have to think about carefully as a community, end quote. So these are heavy accusations. Surely, he went on to give examples of this white supremacy and institutional violence, right? Well, not so much. Not at all, actually. According to the district's director of elementary education, the music program's motto, a tradition of excellence, is actually code for systemic discrimination. And it needs to be done away with. Because tradition and excellence, apparently, are inherently white traits. And of course, white equals evil. This is typical critical race theory doctrine. Blame the white people for anything and everything, even if it makes absolutely no sense. It's also another example of Marxist tactics being used in public schools, where you label one group as the oppressor. In this case, it's white people who play music. And the other group is labeled as oppressed. They're the victims. And once that's established, the government now has just cause to act on behalf of the oppressed group. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if the next thing this school board does is create a racially segregated band and orchestra or a BIPOC orchestra. There are already affinity groups and BIPOC groups around the country. Now, this is further proof that everything woke turns to waste. According to this district, music is contributing to white supremacy. So they take it away. And somehow that's supposed to fix this imaginary problem. And never mind that there are no ways to measure the prevalence or validity in any of this. It's just true because the woke police say it's true, I guess. You know, music has objective, measurable benefits on brain development and on a person's general well-being. Band and orchestra programs can provide scholarship opportunities for students and lead them to a lifetime of meaningful work. The public school system, at least, at least this one, is either blind to those things or they just don't care. Now, in the end, everyone loses, especially the poor families because the wealthy families can just pay for private music lessons. And then once that happens, what will the district say? Oh, the rich have all the privilege. Take their money away, tax them, give it to the poor. Well, we've seen this before. It's the same old socialism, equity, song and dance. You see, as government and state agencies get more involved, the more problems they create and the worse things get. Also, side note, you may have predicted, but people are leaving the Olympia School District in droves. And that's all I have for you this week. That's the current state of state schools. Thanks.